In episode 31 of Kill Histories, we hear from a full-blooded midfielder who was incredibly popular with the Kilmarnock fans. His story is one of hard work being rewarded in a career which took him to the top flight in England. I'm Gordon Gillen, and this is Ian McCulloch. I spoke to Paul Clark in advance of this. What one word do you think he used to describe Ian McCulloch as a player? Fucking daft. I don't know really because at the end of the day I was just I was just talking to I was when I was up last week I was just talking to the boys and that and they were asking me one or two things and at the end of the day I am what I am and, and, and this is for the big thing that I found that when I moved to England people perceive you to be different as Don Masson says to me he says I'm just a wee boy for bankery that's his line my, well, my line is I'm just for the minor cause and press <laughs> you know what I mean and that's the way I've always looked at it and that's the way anything I've achieved I've done because I've worked after it and I think that people perceive to be different because I always remember when I came up home people would shy away or go across the road or whatever that's, that's crazy that you know? but they still look at you in a different light because I'm doing well and such like and, and they don't oh, I just couldn't I didn't understand it anyway get my head on about it but that's that's life that's part of life and I'm part of growing up I don't know what he would have said wholehearted close determined determined I'm going to tell you exactly what he said so yeah. he said determined. He did also say, I've got others you can't use, like lazy and ugly. <laughs> but then I think he was joking about that. Yeah. And then he went on to say, um, great attitude, powerful runner with the ball, excellent player. Yeah. Well, training-wise, I would be busy sometimes. But in a game, when I crossed that white line on the Saturday, it's a different ball game. That was different, different mentality at the end of the day when it all cost me. And they kicked my granny, we know, but... That was just my mentality. I always remember when I first went there, I signed in the November, and obviously I was in the reserves and that, and it come Christmas time, I was in here, and I had two weeks holiday then. Well, then there was the manager, he says, well, come in, come in full time. So most of them that were in holiday came in full time. But for the two weeks, like, always, you know, I really loved it. And it was from there that I like, started my season, because from there... January time, me and Big Derek were subs right through. We were the two subs. We were like two subs in the days. And it was me and, me and Big Derek every week. And then after that, Judy and Big Paul, and, because the team changed a little bit after that year, after that first year. Um, and uh, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I remember my debut was against Hibs at the Scottish Cup at Easter Road. And we could beat one man. Never forget these days, you know what I mean? It was uh, it was first class. As I say, that that was what really kickstarted it. Getting in for the full time for the two weeks, because that was the, the training was it was a big help to me because the the, the work that I did, and that, you know what I mean? And that's what that's what was needed from my point of view. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed just playing football. Just that was all. I was all to do. That. So I did the, the boy, you know what I mean? Playing the street, playing the fields, playing the with mates up the park with the game Friday night with the game Sunday sometimes two games on a Sunday you know what I mean one, one, one afternoon 
I, I really enjoyed that. Um, uh, then it is. Your influences as a young player, as a young man. Well, obviously, my father was one because he was he was an ex player. He played with Kilmarnock. He played with Airdrie. With him. He made his name Airdrie. He was a junior international. He just let me go on with it to a degree. He wasn't at me every every day. You know, do yes, I go to do that. There was there was one time he did, he did say to me when he stepped in, he just goes, "Look, you got to start to learn to read a game now." You can play, but you've got to start to learn to read a game. And I goes, what do you mean? He says, well, you read a game where the ball's going to go, that, that, and that, position yourself and that, you know what I mean? And that was the only thing he's ever, ever, ever said to me. Until I come home from a trial with St. Lund, um and the Saturday night, I was at uh, Earlford. But I was playing all these trials for Partick, for Albion Rovers, for Kilmarnock, for here. And, and I played this one for St. Lund this night. I think it was against Party, I'm not too sure, but I scored the winner. And then with five, ten minutes to go, they took me off. And the manager said, I'll see you upstairs after. Yes, shower and that, I'll see you upstairs, all right. So I go up into his office and he says, boy, there's Wally Cunningham at the time, manager. And uh, he says, oh, yes, and he's uh, very good. He's done well. He says, we'd we like to think. He says, oh, well, I said, I need to speak to my dad now. Don't get things sort accordingly, you know what I mean? So, yeah, 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 that's not problem. That's not problem. I understand um, your dad knows the scout here, Mike, one thing and another, because my, my dad used to play for St. Man. He was still there. And um, he just says, oh, she said, no, don't worry about it. He just said, never mention money or anything like that. He said, And then I'll put it in the drawer and go back and talk to your dad and that, and then we'll sort it out. Broadly. And I goes, aye, all right. So I said, I think, well, Jesus Christ, when I went home, my old man hit the roof. Because they said to me, it's looked at this way you work. It takes you all your time to get from finishing work to get to training the commander. How are you going to get to Paisley? And he goes, are you going to get, get there to Paisley? Because I didn't drive. I says, ah, well, yeah, you're right. So he was straight on the phone. He and he says, tell me, get that, that effing phone cancelled. It was the only time I heard more man sweet in the house. He says, get that effing cancelled. And he says, and then the next night, commander, Wally Fernley said, it takes me. So... He must have always had his finger on the pulse and knew what was happening. Because when I was training the air, I went to America with the 18s for Ayrshire under 18s. And uh, we came away for two weeks, just in the tour. And then when I came back on Saturday, my mother said, you're going to be up early in the morning. There's two Hurlford coming to sign for you. Sign you. I goes, what? She says, ah, your dad said you're signing for Hurlford. She says, what's that? She says, Hurlford, juniors. Because Ali and him said a word and they think you should go out and farm you initially just to get experience I alright so I went there and then as I say it just went for there but as I say that night then the next night Wally Fernie's at the door and, and then they signed for Commander on the, the Wednesday night and that was after the Tuesday but they cancelled the form and that because they could have registered that and that was me done you know what I mean but they never did so obviously and they signed for Commander and that was that and then the rest is history as they say you know, I always tell people this and they don't believe me. When I was 15, I couldn't get a game for Air Albion because I was too small in their eyes. And it's all, the football's all about opinions. Mm. Everybody's got opinion. You know what I mean? So this boy had the opinion that I was too small so I couldn't play, which, fair enough. So I just played with the BBs in, in the school when I was 15. And I had a Saturday team, really. And then after that, I went to the trial for the under-16s, for the under-18s, sorry. And I had two years under-18s. 
and then in my second year there's a lot of scouts coming and watching and this that and the next thing you know what I mean and then I, I went and trained with Air and that and that was a big help training with first team and that that was a big help that was enjoyable it's all part of the process part of the growing up I mean now you've got academies and they're all getting taught this with the ball that with the ball but I had to learn everything myself I was like self-taught in the sense of you go out there and the ball is there to be one you try and win the ball and score goals do that to the best ability you know that was my upbringing whereas now it's all organised games and but the will to win isn't there because it's got to come from within you've got to be a hunger and a passion and that's why I had that hunger for the game That breakthrough season in 1973-74 at what stage did you think I've got a genuine shot at first team football with Kilmarnock? I never thought that way I never looked at what am I going to do tomorrow or this that and the next thing it always it's always just whatever's in front of you as I say you clear the hurdle and whatever training was thrown up at you did that whatever game was thrown in front of you because I found it very difficult initially in the reserves I mean playing against Dundee's and Dundee United's I mean I had two years up the 18 where you had Albion we had a very good side in that, in that year you know what I mean and then I got a trial I had to go for a trial for the for the Scottish boys uh, boys clubs but it was cancelled so I got up there and it happened and it was cancelled so that was that so now we got another one because they never had that again after that well as far as I know but from that point of view they say I've always irrespective of what game of football I've played I've always went out to do the best in that game and first and foremost the only person you've got to please is yourself first if you put enough into it and that was that's how I've always done it that's how I've always been brought up because at the end of the day if you get in it you've got to earn it in life and I always remember getting a pack of punches or a, or a Mars bar getting a Mars bar is like winning the World Cup for me in those days growing up you know what I mean that for me stood me in good stead because me Hungary to play professional football to play uh, full time football the minute I made that breakthrough the man I just said that the initial thing was the two weeks at the time when we were full time and then I was sub with Big Derek the rest of the season throughout the rest of the games I'll be honest with you I found it the reserve you know, I found it difficult to play in that I mean obviously must have came on but it came in and that was me in the first team the year after on a regular basis the more time after that when the, when the season started you look back and you say well yeah good luck bringing it and I wouldn't like to think I did it any other I would have done it any other way because I, I think I mean I was 18 when I signed 19 when I signed I was 18 when I signed and I was 23 when I left so four years and four and a half years four and a bit years at commander in the old division and in the first division the premiership you know what I mean so it was, it was a good ground for me but when I came to England that's different again but all I wanted to do was play full time because I, I wasn't long married only 10 months married it's a big decision to make because I've got my, my football wages I've got my which wasn't a lot but uh, my work wages my heating engineer and my work wages and I came down here for less money than what I was getting up there but that's the chance you take and, and to be fair the manager here at that time was the boy Jimmy Cyril and he was absolutely brilliant. Anything was never a problem. Nothing was a problem. And if you had any problems, you took them to him and he sorted it. He would get you back the next day and say, right, go and see this, do this. He's coming to see you, blah, 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 boom, sorted. So I never had 
an issue or a problem when I was down here, when I first came, which a lot of people thought. Because the big thing you know, for me at that time, there was a lot of players, ex-Scottish, from Scotland going back from England, when they cut the mustard, plane-wise. And, and they're going back. And that was, I said to myself, well, I'm going to be, that's not going to be me. And there was a lot of talk at the time after, in my second season here, yeah, there was a lot of talk at the time of me going back to Scotland. But I, I spoke to the gaffer. And the best bit of advice ever I got in my life was to Don Masson. He says, listen, at the end of every season, go and see the boss. Just say to him, can I see you uh, tomorrow or whenever? Uh, can I make a meet, uh, appointment? Come and see you, he says. And, and Jimmy just says, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but obviously it was a good thing. Listen, we thought, I want to lie, you could be in there for four or five hours, and all you would be talking about is absolute football. His knowledge of football, his knowledge of players, was absolutely phenomenal. Because he was old school, and the way he did it, he would travel the country, high and wide, midweek, Saturdays, Sundays, he would go to uh, Holland on a, on a Saturday night flight to East Midlands and get back Sunday night, and he'd watch two games in Holland before he came back. So his knowledge of that sort of thing was very, very sick to run That's what stood me in good stead down here. I had a good manager behind me who believed in me. Although, for the first two years, he was never off my back. But when you look back at it, it's what was required. And he knew what was required. And that's what he did. And that's what, that's what got me over, the, over that hurdle, you know what I mean? And, and to be fair, if I never had him as a manager, I would, I would have struggled. Ian, did, did Jimmy Cyril, would he, did he scout you, do you know? Did he actually watch you in person, or, or how did that work? He watched me, he watched me at times. And uh, I always remember Wally Fernick coming to me and saying, right, he says, I know, I was suspended for the start of the season, which was unusual, but I was suspended for the start of the season. We're playing Rangers now. He's friendly. And he says, look, he says, I wouldn't really do this. He didn't tell me who, what. He says, but I'll play you in the first half because there's somebody coming to watch. So... I'll play you and just see how it goes. All right. Played me the first half against Rangers and I never heard any more of that. But it was Jimmy Cyril who was his chef for United at the time. But then he went back to Knotts. That was in the summer, August thing. But he went back to Knotts in October. He left Sheffield United and he went back to Knotts in the October. He followed up. One day he came up. And this is true. This is a true story. He came up, drove all the way up, had a cup of tea and that, sat in the stand, watched the warm up, and then left back again. Is I've seen enough. Because Jimmy was one for he could tell you looking at looking at players coming in the turnstile. He says, I know what, what kind of mood they're in. And I don't think there's enough of them people now. There's too many people now for me in football living off people's back. There's more people in football now that's never kicked the ball in their life than there is that people has kicked the ball. Absolutely crazy. And they're making good money at it. And at the end of the day they haven't got a scooby. They haven't got a clue. They're riding on the people's coattails, and it's totally wrong. But that's the way football's gone because of the money. But that's that's only my opinion. As I say, football's all opinions. But that's that's my opinion. I think it's I think it's the worst. Um, it's worse for it rather than better. It wasn't easy, but at the end of the day, it was something you enjoyed doing, and you love love doing it, and, and you're getting paid for it. Yeah. And it'd be that. You know all about promotion. And in particular, the bounce-back promotion of 1975-1976 when Kilmarnock had been relegated and then managed to get back up again. What does it take for a team to get back at the first attempt? What are the challenges there? Challenges are vast because at the end of the day, you've been kicked 
it's like getting kicked by a mule and you relegate it and you've got to try and go back to that mule and try and save it and it's and it's mentally it's very difficult in the sense of that you've got to come back stronger you've got to want to come back but the thing was that you've got to have a squad of players who are together if you haven't got a squad of players that are together and want to do it each other then you struggle a little bit do you think there's a game that you will have impressed Jimmy Sirlin particularly? Or was it a run of form? Because obviously it was a big deal getting that move. What do you think was it that clinched that deal for you? He tried to sign Proven as well at the same time, didn't he? All right. He wanted me and Proven at the same time. My commander wouldn't have let the two years go. Or he wouldn't have let the two years go to one club. Because obviously they wouldn't have paid the money for the two years, as far as I'm aware. Because Jimmy said that to me. He says, I wanted the boy Proven as well, he says, but... They wouldn't have let me buy him. And then I was with Proven and Celtic, you know. It's quite well known that you were part of a very good Notts County side that won promotion to the top level in England. I think you're quite well placed to talk about the quality in that Kilmarnock team that you left. What were the strengths of that Kilmarnock team? And I'm talking about you looking then as having played in the professional outfit at Notts County. What were the strengths of that Kilmarnock team? How was it comparable? The strengths of the Kilmarnock team were that they had a hell of a lot of youth. Proven, Smith, myself, McDickin, Clark, McLean, were all young, enthusiastic, energy, big thing, the big thing. And then you talk about your experiences with your Rodmans and Maxwells and people like Morris and Fleming, that's your experience. You had the youth, had the experience in it, and the strength that came team of that was what effectively philosophy was that it would give us a chance and the enthusiasm that we had the McDickens, Clarks, McLeans would run through big walls to play and it didn't matter what the, the wisdom and money they played for it was because they enjoyed playing football and they enjoyed playing football at a level and wanted to get better and wanted to go higher that was what the commander thing had then but then all of a sudden they sold them they sold them all I was first, then Stuart went to Middlesbrough, and Smith went to Rangers, and Proven went to Celtic, and end of demise. Very difficult then, isn't it? And Clark was supposed to go as well, but they blocked it. Best Ham, McDickie was supposed to go to Stoke, or, or vice versa. Um, so they could have lost six players in one hit. But because the, we had gone earlier, and because the moves were in for us before it, because I was supposed to go before the deadline, but before the death because we had beaten Celtic in the replay and it was the next day so I was supposed to play against Celtic and then sign for knots the next night but I couldn't because they go to play Rangers on the Saturday so it was after deadline day so I couldn't sign um, so I had to, they put it on hold I didn't know but I, I didn't know anything about it um, but that was what the, that was how it was was panning out like you know but as I say that it's all about getting players who are hungry enthusiastic and are prepared to work and no no think about the money because the money takes care of itself irrespective I've never ever ever and this is the God's honest truth irrespective of what people think and what people say I've never thought about money when I played football because if you're good enough the money will look after itself and I smoked at the time which I didn't think was bad, but I did. I smoked at the time. You say, well, it's always, it's always a case of if. Well, if you didn't smoke, what would I, where, you, where would you be? You never know these things. 
But I know that I still smoke and I'm a lot fat and a lot healthier. So if I didn't smoke, maybe I'd go stronger quicker or, or whatever, you know what I mean? But I was doing all right, but I was improving every year, year upon year. But as I say, at that time, we could have beat anybody. I believe that if that team had been kept together for another two years, we'd have won the league. And if we were progressing like we were progressing, then, yeah. But, as I say, it was ripped apart. And then the manager gets the sack, and that's and, and, and it's demand, and that's what happens. And that's what happens at football clubs. So we want to get a lot of money. We want to get fortune. You know what I mean? But it takes a lot to run a football club, and I don't know how. I mean, they were getting the crowds at times, so I don't know where the money was going or what were happening, what was happening, but they say they had to sell and they had the offers. And I don't think Wally Trent got credit that it was due because, I mean, I like him myself and Big McDickin, Big Paul Clark, Stuart McLean, Proven, all came under him. That was a big thing for me because he, he was very he was very good coach in the sense of that Proven with him as well. David Sneddon improved. Improved through everybody, really. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, David then was playing me wide left, wide right, doing my head in. I was doing my head in. Then for the last couple, I played up front and I scored three against my toes. I scored against a different ball game. Because I felt that's where I wanted to play. But me, personally, at that time, didn't realise it was education. And that's what you're doing. You've got to be prepared to play in different positions to get educated in the game. As I found when I came down here, I was playing midfield, I was playing wide right, I was playing up front. It would just be an education of understanding what the game's all about to get better. Until such times as you get in the position where you say, right, bang, and that's it. You're in that position and that's you. But you've learned a hell of a lot about other positions while you're playing there. And you don't understand that as a young boy. You don't understand that that's what you've got to do. Because sometimes you can't explain that when you're playing. Look, you've got to play there because it's helping you. But you can't see it helping you that day. It's not until later that you see it. And you look back and you say, yeah, he's right. I'm making an assumption here, so tell me if I'm wrong. I get the feeling that you would maybe be quite confident going into the dressing room. But no. not at all? No? No, not that is, no. No, that is, because I, all I did was live to play football. And when I went to command up and you get in that corridor and you get into that big dressing room, Jesus Christ. But now you open that is, that was a big thing for me. Because at the end of the day, you go in there and it's like, you know, if I was hiding that dressing room, phenomenal. But never once did I ever think that I'd made it. The money looked after itself, as I said to you. And I, I, I didn't care what, what I was earning, because as long as I was paying the bill, I was quite happy. As long as the message was happy, the kids were happy. I wanted to be the best footballer. And that was me coming out of the Rose, coming out of the South Park, Ross Bank, whatever. Whatever I played, buying the Catholic school, whatever, and in school. That was the thing for me that I thrived on, to be the best then and to be the best when I played at this level down here, you know? That 18-year-old, who I wrongly assumed would be um, quite confident going in there, who were the characters that you maybe looked up to or were intimidated by at first or or who welcomed you? Who were those people? Intimidated. I was intimidated by them all. But I, I struck up a, a partnership, I know a partnership, a friendship with Big Mid. He's a, he was the same help. We all can like, you know what I mean, mine as well, but the same sort of elk and big clarky and that. And at the end of the day, we're younger, we were younger, but trying to fight our way into it. Um, and then when Proving came, he used to travel with Eddie, Eddie Morrison. He was a good mentor for Davey. 
because his attitude was, was, was spot on, you know what I mean? And he improved with his, his just rewards for what he did. It's daunting, don't get me wrong, it's daunting. But the first time I walked into the dressing room, the first game I played for Halford, Jesus, I had to go from, I had to get home for work and be up at the, the Whitlitz runabout for half past five, get picked up by the bus to go to the Mellon. So I was just back to just back to America on the Saturday, and then they, they're playing this game on the Tuesday, and the, and I get on the bus and I didn't know anybody, didn't know so, did not know so apart from the two boys that came in the city sign me, Wally Fulton and, and another boy, and at the end of the day you say to yourself, that's daunting, that is daunting. Back to then and I enjoyed my time at Harrowford. There's a good back of boys, but that that was good. That, that was good for me in the sense of going to that junior game because they didn't take any prisoners I think I scored about five or six hat-tricks in, the, in that time well that I had with, when I was with Harrowford but just because of my pace that's when people start looking for you that's when Wally Fernie they were scouting for Celtic at the time and that was where it all but it's all part of it it's all part of the part of the process or part of the growing up and as I say I wouldn't have done it me personally would never have done it any other way I look back at it now and you say to me when they change, I wouldn't change a thing. Because to me, it builds character, it builds common sense of where you want to go, what you want to do. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, people get carried away and get get their heads wasted because of this is what you are and there's where you go. But all of a sudden, you get brought back down the earth and you say to yourself, wait a minute, oh, you're at your order there, you shouldn't be saying things like that. That's the thing for me, it's grounding. Big grounding, it's a grounding thing, and and, and the Harrowford thing was a big grounding thing for me. Commander thing was a grounding thing for me. Early days at Knox was a grounding thing for me, and it's all a case of learning. If you could say there was one moment, and I know that it's, it's not fair to say one moment because there's so many different moments and so many different successes, but if I was to ask you a moment that you're very proud of in your time at Kilmarnock, what would that moment be? signing for them was the big one and at the end of the day that you've got then go and prove that you're worthy of playing for them um, and then you've got to go and prove that you are better and improve and, and, and be a better person and then we had a great journey getting promoted getting relegated and getting promoted again but the supporters when I won the, the, the four or the play of the years one year it was brilliant Brilliant nights. One at the, at the Kelly Club, at the, at the big one up the turn, well in the street above us, and the one at Drossen, the one at uh, Auckland. You know what I mean? I, I won them all. And at, at the end of the day, going to these being their supporters are absolutely brilliant. I'd like to think I've done something to cheer people up because that was, you're in the entertainment industry and you've got to entertain people. The only way you can entertain them is by giving it your all. Every game. Never mind next week. Is the, the game that matters. The first person I had to please is myself. That's the big thing for me, and that's what gets you through. Irrespective of what job you do, you've got to do it to your best. But as a heating engineer, I was never going to be a plumber. I was never going to be a heating engineer. You know what I mean? I've done it for seven years, but I, I still didn't think I was going to be a plumber. I didn't think I had much time left in it, you know, because I was the best. But at the same time, I was playing my football at the time because that was happy, you know. 
that was the problem. Sometimes I'd have a game at night and the Tuesday night and I'd go to work on the Wednesday and I'm absolutely knackered. So I've had to get my wee mate to cover for me so I've had to sleep underneath the flare. And that, that's the things that you look back on and you say to yourself, you don't know how you did it, how you get away with it. But that's the things that I had to take to benefit myself in the sense of to give 110% every time I crossed the white line. And every time I was very proud to receive all them accolades or, or, or play the years and such like. I've still got the big, the big one up here in my, my unit, Pokemon at one. It was at my mother's, so I've got it back in. And the things that I won in that, and at the end of the day, that to me, that to me is a detriment to what I, what I stood for and, and what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And I'd like to think that I still get invites to come on up and such like and, and well treated up there. And that to me is a testament in itself. To me, it's not about the money. It's about your own self-respect, your own determination, your own character. The one thing I was told for a long, long time, but when you on your way up, you meet a lot of people. When you're way back down, you meet the same people. That's how you get people on your way up. But you get just in the way back down. Right categorically say, thankfully or hopefully that I can go. You walk about commander head the all that, and you walk about pressing me there. Because at the end of the day, I've never let anybody down. far as I know, some people perceive that I have, but I can't, can't recollect. You know what I mean? But that's life, and you're never going to please everybody, are you? In the main, I don't think there's a lot more that I could have done. The week before I finished, I came off after the game and I couldn't walk. Getting my shoes on, my, my feet swelled up. They were getting the specialists in and I never trained until the Thursday. Then I was all right the Thursday and the Friday. But then the specialists came on the Saturday. And, uh, that was the day I broke my leg. So, But he was just coming to tell me that I had arthritis. Because um, they'd taken a blood test and all that, you know what I mean? And the day that Saturday I broke my leg, so that was the end of story anyway, so. But that's life. That's life. You live for the sword, you die for the sword. But that's the way it goes. But I, I accept that. I don't, I don't, I never mocked about it, nor that. And such like, because at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do about it. It's done and dusted, so you've just got to move on to the next thing. That's what it's all about. And you say to yourself, well, yeah, you've had a good career, you've done this, you've done that, so now it's time to, to move forward. Thank you to Ian McCulloch for giving such an honest insight into how he forged his Killy career in the early years. This episode was recorded in 2022 by phone call. Killy Histories is a not-for-profit project made for the Kilmarnock FC Former Players Association. Find out more at www.killyhistories.com. Don't forget to follow on Twitter and Facebook at Kelly Histories and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. For a third season, huge thanks to the Kelly Trust for their sponsorship, covering all production costs. To find out more about the Trust and its relationship with Kilmarnock FC, visit www.thekillytrust.com. The theme music Clear Progress by scottholmesmusic.com is used under free Creative Commons license. I'm Gordon Gillen. See you next time.